0: Welcome to episode number 31 of the Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Roy Collin. Hi, this is uh, Roy Collin of the Speaking Podcast. And today I'm joined by Eva Strzeżewska.
1: My congratulations!
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I met Eva, I'd done a a workshop on the art of storytelling. But first of all, you might just like tell the audience who you were.
1: Oh, that's a long story. (laughs) Yeah, the the workshop that you attended was just one of the few things that I do, because I do train and I coach um, people. On, I'd say communicative skills. That would be probably the you know the broadest way of calling what I do, and it t- sometimes takes many different shapes and forms. It could be um, kind of one-to-one meetings like coaching, or it could be trainings, workshops, talks. Very often, uh, but I also work on the other side, which would be um, being a representative of a company or a foundation or whoever needs support with good um, message to. Send to other people, so I would be like a PR or a um, spokesman or whoever of that kind as well. Um, this, you know, it lets me see um, how difficult it sometimes can be for other people to actually use the skills. Not only I don't only not only teach them these skills, but I would also use them myself. So this way, I can stay, you know, up to date and see um, how it is when you are actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. And like just on that uh, workshop, because you know I've done plenty of different things like that, and I always find a lot of the time these things are energy sucking and boring and everything. But not only for me, but I could see, but everybody, because you know maybe because of Toastmasters I'm just conscious of watching how mm-hmm. other people. Are it was really you know energetic and you know the whole way through it was really brilliant to be honest with you and i was impressed and you know that's why i was asking you to come here because i think it's something people should learn and what you were teaching us as well was fantastic
1: thank you so much thanks roy it's um it, it means a lot to me because this is you see this is very important in my work to know that it actually gives value to other people I, I am aware of the fact that there are many people who teach and train and call themselves trainers, coaches, and whoever not. Um, nevertheless, I always uh, pay a lot of attention, my own attention, to being real also, mm. because that's the value for me, you know, being real, authentic in whatever I do. That is exactly why I always try to keep it upbeat, everything yeah. <laughs> I do. Of course it means that the next day I'm almost died, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> But it's worth it every single
0: time, it's worth it. Mm. <laughs> like, you, I spoke, let's go into the art of storytelling mm. because, at the end of the day, whether you're doing a five minute <clears throat> speech or you're doing a dating, it's all coming down to. You know, storytelling.
1: It is storytelling and storytelling has, from my perspective, it has many many different faces. It could be just a, I don't know, one phrase, one sentence, one metaphor that changes the whole conversation into one big story because you, you allow people to relate to what you're saying, even if they are not in the actual facts, but they can relate to the emotions, to the values, to the worth of, it, of whatever you're saying that is behind this metaphor or this short story that you're giving. Um, whenever you're evoking emotions this makes it easier for the, for the listeners or the audience to actually connect with you and with whatever you want to uh, you want to say or, or pass on to them but of course storytelling uh, could also mean a very you know large conversation or a story that you're giving in the shape of a of a speech let's say and then you have many mm, possibilities and options the story could be just one you know, chronological line of thought and you're kind of leading the audience through the story. Mm-hmm. But it could also be many different little stories that you give as examples of your main idea that you are to, to pass on to other people in whatever shape or form you choose. Um, naturally, the, you know, the deeper you go, the more options you have. Uh, you can use, you know, this, this box, boxing technique. So there you have a story within a story within a story. And it kind of you know it puts the usually it puts the listeners into a um, a kind of a trance. you know mm-hmm. you you put them in one situation, and then you add some some details that really uh, makes them um, go deeper and want to search deeper with you. that's that's my experience at least but, you know, this is just another step in, in, uh, in all the uh, storytelling arts that you can um, practice and and learn because you can. this is an art that you can actually practice and learn, as I said, it's, um, it's worth it and uh, I suppose it's one of the best tools to, um, to actually um, somehow connect with people, not only give them information, pure facts, but also connect, because this is this little difference that makes a good speaker, the ability to, to actually be connected with the audience. That's what I would say.
0: Okay. Could you give us an example of how somebody can connect with the audience because, you know, like <laughs> some of the people might, you know, yeah. might be a lot like, yeah.
1: I always, always, always recommend uh, watching some TED Talks. For me, a TED Talk uh, um, is a very good example of, of the way uh, you can very well uh, transfer your idea uh, in a limited time, because this is important, timing is very, very important, um, especially in storytelling and speaking, because you don't want to bore your people. This is You don't want to put them in a state when they are not willing even to listen to you and never, you know, it doesn't really matter then if you have something important to say or not, because they're just not listening, it was too long, too boring, or, um, too slow pace or too fast, that yeah. was what happens. Uh, so Ted, for me, is a good example of good storytelling. Uh, I'd probably, to start off with, I would probably recommend Brené Brown. Brené is a wonderful um, yeah, uh, storyteller, researcher, that's how she calls herself, or oh, now she calls herself like that. Um, and whenever you listen to her speeches, especially the one on the power of vulnerability, uh, you can see how wonderfully she... Uh, uses her own examples, so her own stories from life, mm-hmm. in order to uh, show the data that she's been um, analysing, because this is what she does, she's a qualitative researcher, which means that she's uh, interviewing people, uh, loads of loads of interviews and, and um, a lot of data that she has to go through. But then she's able to give you the results in a very uh, easy uh, way because she gives her life example. And that's the story she's telling from my perspective if you want a good story keep it as real as possible to your own experience uh the more you lie to put it very bluntly <laughs> the the more difficult it gets to make the story credible for other people yeah. but just you know keep it in mind you, you don't believe in stories that you know that they are fake yeah. you know um, it's again, it's these emotions and values that you want to put into a real life situations because that's that's how you make them credible, I suppose. Um, I'm thinking maybe also the uh, beautiful um, speech by um, I think his name was Andrew Stevenson's. That's a guy who's dealing with injustice in America. It's the uh, 2015 TED meeting in. Um, in, I think in Texas that was, anyhow He's um he's been talking about injustice, it's a pretty long speech but he gives examples and he kind of interconnects every single part or piece of information he gives with the real life story. It's either his or somebody else's story that he tells and that's also another structure. Some people say that they are not willing to give their own examples, saying I am, I did, I was, whatever it's very um okay if you're not comfortable with this don't use it because some you know at, at some point it will be awkward probably for you if you're too close to the story you can always you know use the third person <laughs> say my grandmother my granddad or my aunt you know yeah. then you give yourself a little bit more distance and and perspective then it's easier probably sometimes especially if the topic is difficult and in a black community, community in, in America throughout the, the decades I think he's describing uh, is a difficult topic as far as injustice is concerned um, so that's also a very nice way of, of telling a story, a good example I would say in my case I would always use examples that are uh, very close to my heart this is what I praise in a story and that's how I use them so whenever I know that a story gives uh, an additional value, uh, then I would probably use it when I um, talk about communication skills and how to uh, you know practice them and why are they so so needed I very often tell the story of me and my aunt trying to communicate. I was five as far as I remember that was my first trip to England and um, and my mother was away with her brother and my aunt was to put us to bed, me and my cousins and um, the cousins went to sleep pretty quickly but I couldn't fall asleep and she was reading a bedtime story to me which was Cinderella, I think and we came across this this uh, part when one of the sisters had a fan and I didn't know what a fan was and my aunt decided that, you know, a picture in a book is not enough so she she kind of decided to go through her old Things, had teenage shoebox things, you know, we all have some kind of a shoebox somewhere there <laughs> with 70s. The and we ended up going through her own personal belongings. And I'm not sure, sure which one of us actually benefited more from that, you know, journey of trying to communicate on the same level and be connected and, you know, learning what a fan is. Uh, I remember this well because that was the beginning of me loving English and me loving. Um, a different language that made it easier to communicate because her Polish was better than most English people speaking Polish I've ever met. Nevertheless, she <laughs> she, um, uh, she was also teaching me English this way. You know, being very um, storytelling, I would say, because every single object that we found had a story. So instead of actually ending up ending up on this fan, we went through the whole. You know, a bunch of different things that were in that box, and, um, and and I heard many different stories. It was you know something in the middle of English and Polish, and for a five-year-old, that was a, a, a huge journey and a, and a very nice trip.
0: Oh, very good. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like I know myself when I'm doing speeches, I always kind of speak from the heart. I find one you don't have to remember. You just you're, you're telling the story as as it happened. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, you, if you're doing some research speech, mm-hmm. you then you have to, you know, practice it and you have to know what you're going to talk about in the sequence and everything.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, if you'd like another example of a person who was able to actually use stories or metaphors, which are small stories, um, I'd say Einstein, Albert Einstein, if you read anything by him or. Uh, Any quotes that we have from Albert Einstein, they're always, you know, they are short stories. He always gives examples, he always makes you smile at some point, even though he was a physicist, you know. His mind was very logical, very down-to-earth, but still he was able to use language very um, smoothly, I would probably say. You know, in the way of showing people that data is just a story with a soul sometimes, you know. It doesn't need to find it.
0: Well, I have this book and I keep kind of putting it off to read, but now that you've said that, it, it makes me want to read it, yeah.
1: So that's that's um, probably the, the, the clue for me, you know, the, the main idea uh, th- that I have about storytelling. Um, If you have any possibilities and chance, of course, learning and reading on storytelling is also a good idea because, you know, the the practice makes you master. That's about it, (laughs) to be honest. We're not mm, born with all the um, skills. We are born with some abilities and every single person is born with the need of a story and connection. And this is the basis that we all have. So if you're only brave enough Uh, or courageous enough. It's so uh, easy at some point to to see that the story gives life to whatever you're saying. It's, you know, when you have just pure data, when you have just numbers, these are numbers, people don't relate to numbers. They will relate to an information that, for example, I don't know, do you know the song by Katie Malua? She sings that there are uh, 10... Million bicycles, I think she says. Uh, yeah, Beijing, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Fine, okay, and what? <laughs> but there's a follow-up after that, you know? Because she l- relates this number to a real-life story that she gives about her love. And um, if you have a data and you can show this data is meaningful to your listeners by giving them a real-life example, mm-hmm. then probably you have far more. There's a chance that people will actually remember <laughs> what you're telling them you're you're becoming more credible to them because they trust the story you're telling I suppose okay. yeah there are many different ways of telling the story
0: and, and like just getting back to the workshop that yeah. you, you done perhaps because like you know you had a, a on the desk it, it was mm-hmm. like um, a mind map that you mm-hmm. had. so that's mm-hmm. how you planned your whole day because it was mm-hmm. I don't know six to eight hours mm-hmm. is, is from my memory.
1: Six, I think it yeah, was six hours six, this yeah. time. Uh, yeah, I would use a mind map because mind map reminds me of a story more than just like, you know, um, a piece of paper that it's, uh, you know, this A4 shape that goes just, you know, with bullet points. This mm. is not how people remember stories either. Mind map always goes horizontally. Uh, so it, it resembles the way we, rem- we remember and we visual- visualize things in our heads. And a mind map is this wonderful tool where in the middle you put uh, the main... Idea or the title of a given um, workshop or coaching session, whatever, and then you just add branches to it. You can add as many branches as you want. You can start from the left to the right, from the you know bottom to the top. It's all up to you because it's very personalized. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of a mind map is that you are the only one who's able to read it. <laughs> That's another point. And um, uh, in my case, I see this as one big story because I can I can choose. Okay, I have important elements that I need to mention. I have to mention this, this and that. But then, let's say the chronology of it all can actually change during the workshop. Right. That's how right. I how I work. Because the workshop is not only um, about what I have, so my content, and about me as a trainer, but it's very much about those who come for the workshop. The participants sometimes change uh, I don't know, the pace, the dynamics, the energy. Um, and also sometimes the chronology of what I have prepared, this also changes <laughs> very yeah. often. But that's
0: a gift that you've got because a lot of people don't do that and they don't care what the audience is saying or how they react. <laughs> they just go through what they're planning to say and I could see that actually. You were listening to what people were doing, the level yeah. they were at and you were you know, just... Was the, group, the
1: group was, was a, a pleasure to work with. I, yeah. must, I must admit that this energy and the willingness to work was, was yeah. amazing in that group. So I'm very blessed to to very often come across groups like this. So maybe this is somehow you know interconnected but you know I have my energy they come with their energy yeah. and we kind of pay attention both ways. You know Thanks. to this energy to the needs as well. I am, I've done a workshop in a um IT company recently and um, the group was it was supposed to be 15 people we ended up with nine. So that okay. Let's <laughs> see what we can do that. And it was probably one of the best trainings I have ever um, given and had. Because, you know, I try to keep my mind very open. If I am the trainer, I also train myself at some point. Mm -hmm. Because I take and I give. It's always, you know, both ways. And that's also the magic of telling a story. Because, believe me, if you're telling a story and it's a true story from your heart, you probably know that yourself it teaches you, it moves you as well, yeah. the, the attention and this connection that we, we were talking about just a second ago, it's about you being connecting, connected with others just as much as they or them being connected with you, yeah. it has to work both ways and I cannot imagine doing it any other way around, <laughs> just, just really drawing on, on what the people are bringing as well. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is important. Mind map, mind map is something that I always introduce, every single training I do. Uh, at some point I say, okay, you can do your notes the way you want to, but you know what? There's this one possibility. Maybe you would like to try to do a little bit of more colouring and drawing, because this is included in mind map as well. It's supposed to help you remember things just by seeing the, the right colours. And with teaching and learning storytelling, it usually does wonders because it kind of twi- twists around your idea of having everything, you know, one point after another. Yeah. It allows you to switch, to change, to move around the story. Maybe some details can be left out. Maybe some others should be put later or earlier. Yeah. And mind map, when you look at it, allows you for that. It allows you to see the story you're telling or the speech you're having uh, from a different angle, a different perspective. So that's
0: why I use it every single time and I, like w- what I use is, uh, I use simple minds so I, uh-huh. and I have it yeah. on the phone and um, it's basically I can pick up my phone and if somebody asked me to do a speech I can mm-hmm. just flick through it mm-hmm. and within five minutes I'm able to do the speech and plus sometimes you think later oh I can add this or that didn't really work and take that exactly. out but what I've been doing uh, recently because I think, there's a thought process when you're writing when you're using your hands and as you mentioned the yeah. colors and everything when you're physically doing it I don't know it's not the same as when you're just typing on your phone or you're doing I your, so mm-hmm. what I've found is that I'm able to create better speeches by doing the mind map on paper and then just yeah. transform the information because the paper will be left somewhere or you just won't have access to it and everything, mm-hmm. And that's why I mm-hmm. you know, put it onto the phone mm-hmm. as well.
1: we um during the, the, the training we also spoke about something that the NLP calls modalities um, th- there are different ways of approaching the topic. Um, Neurolinguistic programming talks about three main modalities that we use to uh, get information, collect it from the world, um, somehow work on it in your head, and a third thing is to produce some information um, or facts um, or utterances, whatever outside. And the three main channels would be it would be the audio. So these are the people who are good at listening sounds. But what is very rarely uh, added to the sound specialists is that they are very good at logics, anything that has order, mm. anything that has a beat that is very you know um, logical. Also, in the sense of being repetitive, you know, okay. one, two, three, or this, this, and that, naming, numbering things. This is what the audio um, specialists have um, probably you know uh, somehow developed the best. Then we have the visuals, so the people who remember with eyes. And believe it or not, we claim that men are mainly visual. No. (laughs) It's more about the culture that we live in. And it's not only about men and women alike. We have most of the um, information and and, uh, the message that comes to us from the world is visual. That's why this is the sense that we seem to treat as the main one, which very often is not the case. Um, and it's just worth being aware of this and somehow paying attention to the way you speak and what words you use. Visual people are very good at describing places, describing shapes and colours. This is being visual. And having memories um, also in the shape of a, a picture. Um, but I think it's just the picture because when you have a film, um, it would be more about uh, the kinesthetic people. The kinesthetics need touch, they need sense these are the people who would tell you that you know something doesn't smell right Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) this is a phrase used by kinesthetics because we sense with our nose with our touch um, with the taste also Uh, we say that we feel uncomfortable in some situations this is also kinesthetic but what is very important what what i would like to highlight very much now is that we are never just this or that it's a continuum I like to draw this in the shape of a triangle Mm -hmm. and you've got on top got one and on each corner actually have one um, modality and just try to find out which one is the one you prefer or which one is the one that you normally would use and keep in mind that when you're stressful this can change. When you grow up, when you develop, (laughs) this also can change. I never want to grow up. (laughs) (laughs) It's stick to the (laughs) So you know this this is just another filter i would say that you could use also when you're telling a story because if you have in your mind that some people will react better to na- naming uh, i don't know point saying for the you know the first the second or the third mm-hmm. when you know that there are people who need a picture in order to be in a story then you know that a, a good description precise description is important but then you also have the kinesthetics who would move. And they need movement. They need um, a kind of information. What is this world like in a sense of uh, uh, warmth, for example, or the, the, the color or the sounds as well. They need like a 3D mm. um, description. When you know this, you can always keep this in mind and use it in a story that you're telling mm. so that people can, again, connect and relate. Also on the level of the language that you're using. It's difficult, yes. <laughs> it needs practice, as I said at the beginning. Practice whatever you do, practice, and um, and, and it will come. It will become uh, a bit more natural with every single speech you make, <laughs> with every single story you tell. It becomes more and more your world because you you feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm a kinesthetic.
0: and also getting the feedback from people as well what they like from it so that you can
1: develop and you can it is noticeable the feedback even if they don't use words believe me at some point it's so easy to actually notice who's listening who's not whether the audience is silent because they're listening or they're silent because they have already gone through all the emails that they have you know on their Mm -hmm. phones (laughs) Um, it is experienced yeah
0: and it's the same with the tone as well like some people like when you kind of just kind of monotonous, and other people when you're pumping, you know, like kind of Tony Robbins energy type, you, you know, you're <laughs> them with all, but you can come in and out you can. to connect to the different
1: people. Yeah. Um, there's this guy who's a specialist on storytelling, but he's a researcher. Um, he's also on TED, of course. His name is Joe Savia. Joe Savia is a specialist of giving very short TED uh, talks, five minutes the most. <laughs> and um, he says... Oh, he quotes actually researchers uh, uh, on neuroscience. He says the human mind cannot ignore novelty. Mm-hmm. If you give something that is a novelty uh, to the listener's mind, this is when they will come back to you from with with their attention. For example, you know. So if you change the speed of your voice, if you stop, we're afraid of silence. All of us are. I know. <laughs> when you add something, when you give music, when you give different um, um, it's stimuli based on the visual effects, so it's not only a um, picture but maybe again a video, anything that changes the structure of your speech, this also keeps the interest uh, in, um, of, your, of your listeners or the audience, whatever that is. It doesn't matter if it's just one person or it's a crowd of, I don't know, 3,000. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, more or less the idea was the same. <laughs> you
0: know? uh, yeah. I think uh, now once you're used to speaking to a few people, you know, at the end <laughs> of the day, if there's more there, because most of the time anyway, you know, there's lights and you don't get to actually see, you don't see the thousands of people, you just see the first few rows. Yeah,
1: and that's also okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's okay. Um, what I get asked very often is, okay, but do I, can I walk? <laughs> or can I not walk <laughs> on the stage? Or do I have to look in the eye? <laughs> These are like two main problems usually. Yeah. Do you have to walk? No. If it's not you, <laughs> don't do it. Just because somebody told you it's a good idea, yeah. try. That's what I always say, try. Yeah. Don't say no to things that you haven't tried, experienced yourself. Yes. You know? Try to walk. Yeah. If you feel very uncomfortable, if this, you know, this feeling that this is not me at all, then don't walk mm. because your energy, your attention will be more more drawn to what you're doing unnaturally than yeah. to the actual speech yeah, exactly. or the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. The second, the eye contact. Um, yeah, I am very much for <laughs> eye contact. Yeah. Even as you said, it's just a few rows. Yeah, if you in the front when you have a big audience. Uh, you know, we as people, as human beings, as species, we have this an amazing ability to know when somebody's looking in the eye, even if these are not your eyes but somebody else's eyes, mm-hmm. the people know you're looking in the eyes or not. Yeah. You know? And this is saying, I see you not only with my eyes, but also with my, my values and my feelings and my beliefs. Yeah. I see you as a human being and I respect the fact that you came. I respect the fact that you're sitting there and listening to what I have to say. And I thank you for this, with being able to keep the eye contact. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest things, um, but believe me, there's a huge change when you're finally able to do this, mm-hmm. even with the first few rows, okay. <laughs> or the all you know, audience if, if there's this possibility. Okay. It is important and it makes a difference. And it takes courage, of course. No, yes. well, I have seen. <laughs>
0: I've never had that problem, but I have seen a lot of people, and they get very uncomfortable. <clears> if, you know, if they have to, especially sometimes if you're on a retreat or whatever, and there's like eye exercises where you're just staring at you. There's people that really panic for that. But once, once you get comfortable, and what you mentioned there, are actually, people, uh, you know, like when I'm speaking, mm-hmm. I can see when somebody relates to what I've said. Yeah. You know it doesn't have to be a joke but you can actually feel you know th- that they're in the emotion with you when you're talking about something sad or something and by just looking at them it's like that connection is there you know yeah you
1: know but there's you know the, the, i suppose this is why some people are not um looking in the eyes because they would know <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> they would know the connection or the lack of the connection yeah. because we know this immediately when we look into people's eyes exactly if there is this connection or not yeah. um you see, the, 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 the art of storytelling and, and speaking is that you are able to react to what, what message you're getting from the audience. Mm-hmm. This is being very brave. This yeah. is being courageous as a speaker. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you're not connected with me. Let me think quickly what I can do and react to what's going on. And maybe I, there's a kind of a change that I could make in order to Come back to me <laughs> and listen to what I have to say. There are numerous tools, you probably know this yourself. Um, there are practices that I would always use to um, show people how difficult sometimes it is to uh, be a good speaker or storyteller. But what I would normally do is actually try to get them out of their comfort zone very quickly so that when they are in a comfort zone, it's some you know, at some point it occurs, that's, oh my gosh, it's so easy, (laughs) you know, when you're back uh, to it. But when you're, once you're outside of it, you find out quite a lot about yourself. And this is the notion, this is my idea, and this is my value as well. Self-awareness is the key point of being a good storyteller, from my perspective, and a good speaker. I know what my weaknesses are. I know when stress is killing and when my stress is not killing, but being very much of help to me. But this is because I was able to observe myself at some point and without a change, so without this novelty, and the being outside comfort zone is novelty. Mm -hmm. You know, it's difficult to notice that. It's difficult to have this opportunity. Um, Also when you're observing yourself uh, and that would be the feedback that you were also talking about. This is a kind of observing yourself through the eyes of the people that potentially would be at some point your listeners, or were mm. uh, the people who listened uh, to you. This is a very um, useful knowledge. <laughs> but again, bravery. <laughs> to yeah. be able to actually digest what you hear. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it, it, just that you mentioned, I remember one of the techniques that you've done as well. this, you had yeah. the mirror, and I had never seen that before. <laughs> And it was uh, like, I mean, I, like, I'm just okay looking at the odds, so I didn't really see myself when I was doing it. but it, like, you, you must have uh, kind of experienced strange kind of situations with that, yeah? I,
1: um, I was kind of hoping you were going to mention the mirror. On the other hand, I was thinking, ah, if we talk about the mirror, wouldn't we just, you know, kind of give this trick away? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish that we had, the,
0: you know, 100 million listeners, but
1: <laughs> at the moment we're, you're safe. Honestly. Uh, it's also um, the, the beauty, beauty of it all that even if you know it still works mm. <laughs> believe it or not I've seen it so many times um, even if you know there's going to be a mirror it still works it still does wonders and it still you know sometimes twists your world around because even if you're experienced and you're looking in the eyes of other people the worst ever criticism that comes your way is from yourself
0: and that's just for the listeners, there was actually like a full-length mirror that's facing you that's in in between the audience. So. <laughs>
1: um, you can either put it in between the audience or you can put it on the other side. And then it's even tougher because you're looking into your own eyes and you're seeing the audience behind you. And that's... This is what I do with the leaders very often because what well, the leadership is also um, about, you know, having people behind your back and following you. Mm-hmm. So that's another trick. And I you guess. see
0: different reactions, by Yes. Because yes. oh, I've yes. never played that one. You mentioned it, I remember you mentioned it, but, you know, we didn't have a. Uh, yeah, uh, I, uh,
1: because it was about storytelling. It was, yeah. about, it was about being honest and authentic within your own story. That's why uh, this time the I was, you know, within the audience. Right. Um, I also use whistles, for example, <laughs> to um, show people how often they use the mmm uh sound. Oh, yeah. Because we tend to be so afraid of the silence that we would rather say mmm, um, uh, so the filler, as I like to call it. Exactly. And many of us don't even realise how often we use them, and that's where the whistles come in. Is it brutal? Sometimes yes. <laughs> Is it fun? Oh yes. <laughs> um, so there are many, many different tools, ideas that I, that I would use to show people, you know, look, look at yourself, pay attention to the little things. We normally don't do this, we normally go, okay, let me have it done, <sighs> let me finish this speech. No, because this means that you're already at the end of the speech, you're not paying attention to what's happening here and now. And that's also a good story when you're here and now. Just imagine yourself listening to a story, you like to be in it. Not at the end of it, in it, just at the moment when you know the Red Riding Hood is actually meeting the wolf in the forest. You can see that, you know, her breathing goes faster, you know that the wolf has these eyes that really are, you know, the dark eyes of a villain. You know, when you're in the story, you're very much going through the emotions that the, the characters go through. What is also important is the perspective that you use in the story. Have you ever thought about, let's go back to Cinderella. <laughs> Have you ever thought about uh, the story of Cinderella if it was actually t- uh, told by one of the sisters? The ugly sisters with a, a, a devil mother <laughs> suffering because she had unfulfilled you know, ideas about her own children. And you know, just twist it around. Use mm. a different perspective. Um, if you think about any other conflict, Uh, I had a few conversations about this educational thing that's going on right now and about the teachers wanting more money and children being without the possibility of, you know, good care at school because they are all on leave. Okay, have you ever tried actually being on this other side, you know, wondering how on earth could a good teacher be happy in life if she or or he um, is not satisfied with the result he or she gets? It works for every single person in any single situation you know and this twisting of perspective gives your story life as well because this is a surprising twist and that's you know when if i were to tell a story of a cinderella from the point of view of uh, a prince a guy who's uh, being locked up in a castle, for example, having you know um, this idea that he has to marry somebody who his father chooses, or anything of this kind. You try to search for the reality that is not only yours but also this other person's you are talking to, mm-hmm. and that's also the magic of a story that you can. It's yours. You can own it and uh, use it as much as you want in, in whichever um, version actually want the same story just different perspectives
0: yeah, yeah. yeah and like you, you were talking there about the the pause feathers because mm-hmm. like with a few of the clubs uh, normally what they'd have is the bell as well or mm-hmm. um, i forget the instrument it does another instrument as but what what i've done with the club that i found is because i found it, it's great i've seen people that would have like say 40 pause feathers mm-hmm. to after a few months to go to zero but i also have seen where it's thrown them. So, it's thrown them so much by the noise mm-hmm. that they thought. So, what, I've, yeah. what we've done is we've <laughs> printed a sheet that says, ah, oh, and we just <laughs> hold it up so that it's not disturbing the audience, mm-hmm. and especially if people are there to try and listen to a speech, mm-hmm. but they're conscious of it. So, that you just hold up the sign rather than making the whistle. But it works for both. And what mm-hmm. we tend to do is ask people, what do you want? Because some people prefer yeah. the noise.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. I get told off sometimes by the participants. <laughs> <laughs> So brutal with the whistle, is it? Try the hard way first. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't because it's too harsh for you. That's okay. We're all different. Just try it, you know. And um, what I do with the timing, because as I said at the beginning, timing is very important. If you make a story too long, the people will fall asleep. You know. Yeah. Always pay attention to what is the core of the story. What has to be said. And what is additional that maybe if you know or notice that your audience is falling asleep, you can just omit it. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's practice, you know, you learn this on the way. Um, nevertheless, what, what we would uh, sometimes yeah, that's the, the, the track because I kind of got stopped on the <laughs> <laughs> omittance. <on> <laughs> it happens, it happens as well. Um, so basically, what, what we uh, try to do with the timing is. is not use only the clock because it's obvious, but also use other signs to make it more complicated and difficult for the people to notice the the time passing. Mm-hmm. So what I would, I, I learned this from my trainer some years ago, and that's what I would also do sometimes. I use the markers, the colors of the markers, as I did with on the training. It's you don't pay attention to the seconds going, but the colors that show up. You you agree to a certain timing you know, with mm. with the speaker, and you just show the signs. And I heard the information, ah, it's so not visible, why can't we use the clock? Said, because the clock is obvious. Mm. And here, not only you pay attention to timing, because this is the, the intention of this, but also you have to be very aware of what is going on in the audience. Yeah. You know, so it's like practicing two things at the same time. Believe me, there is not a thing that really annoys people more then having a speech that was supposed to be 5 minutes and it's already 15. No, like exactly. People feel disrespected. Totally. Yeah? yeah. So, this is also important. So, whenever you're using a story, just keep in mind that timing is important and make sure that you actually need a huge story, you know, for the whole thing that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. You what, know? Like, with the Toastmaster, we have, like, the colors, and the green is, yeah. say, 5 minutes, then yellow is exactly. 6 Exactly. But what I find is like at six, I start winding up and then you're, and then you get just close to red or just at the red. But there are so many people, like you mentioned, 10 minutes. And I did, and I keep telling them, I said, if you're on a TEDx, you're, they'll just put the club, That's it. If, yeah, you're, if you're at an event, you will never get invited. I've seen people, and one guy, he extended his time for 30 minutes. Then they had to go up on stage and physically drag him off. And this is a really famous person. <laughs> but I haven't seen him since. And what yeah. he done is he cut into the time of the next person. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so important and people forget Again, it. it's know, respect. It's respect, exactly.
1: You know, for the speakers that are after you, for the listeners that are going to listen to other ideas as well, it's so much about just understanding that there's a human being on this other side or as a speaker after you, you know, just keeping in mind that, you know, this, we're all, again, connected, you know, this will come back to you somehow.
0: (laughs) Like in in those times, maybe it's he's the last speaker before a break and they think because it's coming up to the break, but they don't realize some people are going to make an important phone call or they're looking forward to to the break. (laughs) You know, yeah, and they the just into that. That's you know. it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I don't blame them, to be honest. Yeah.
1: I don't blame them. I uh, gave, uh, about a month ago, I um, as a representative of a, um, a foundation, um, it's a Chapsky Art Foundation in Poznan, and they have recently, they have launched a new project, which is called the Your Future Zone. And Your Future Zone is about a very innovative approach to art making. So it's art and design, but with the use of technologies, um, robotics, uh, VR, AR, and machine learning and artificial artificial intelligence, so all those, you know, um, tech uh, um, devices, and we had a conversation uh, just before the conference on uh, Smart City, and we've agreed with the organizers that uh, our future will have 10 minutes at the end after four speeches. Just to present the place where the conference was held, and um, all the speakers had more or less about fifteen to twenty minutes. And the first speaker was absolutely brilliant. He said it right at the beginning that uh, he is aware of you know the whole um, agenda for the uh, for the, uh, the the day, and that he would use up his fifteen minutes. And if anybody wants to approach him, he's going to be there, ask questions, but you know, give the floor to others as well. Okay. Whereas the last one, instead of 20 minutes, he had 14. So me as the last one, <laughs> I ended up with a very annoyed crowd of people already, you know, talking and whispering and unhappy with the fact that they have to sit for another 10 minutes. So I ended I ended up with five minutes only saying, you know what, you're very brave people here. I literally use these <laughs> phrases, <laughs> you know, I said, I know, you've been very brave, and I am so honored to be able to actually talk to you, and I thank you so much for sitting here and listening. And let me just tell you in few words who we are and what we do, and that was it. And I decided not to take you know, all the time that I was supposed to have out of respect yeah. for the people. And um, you know, I was a little bit afraid because it was my, it was my private decision, and I thought that maybe the owners of the foundation will say, but you had 10 minutes, you could tell more. But you know, these are the one of the best people I've ever met in my life. They said, they were very understanding and they said, you did the best thing ever possible. (laughs) Um, So you see, sometimes you make choices like this as well when you're speaking. Of course, I put a story in this because the question was whether this type of art could be um, ecologically aware or sustainable, you know, when you do art with VR, for example. And I gave them the story on, um, my uh, professor at my studies who would always say it depends <laughs> and I use this as the basic for the story of telling that it actually depends on them and how uh, responsible they feel for art and, and, and the novelties that come in art as well which is the VR it also happens you know like this that you um, don't have all the possibilities that you were told you're going to have and that's also the art of being a good storyteller. Cut it down if you have to. Because maybe there won't be enough time. Be ready, not prepared. That's an improv verse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep it in mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And you're doing coaching as well, so perhaps yeah. you might give some advice to that. Ah.
1: <laughs> coaching, so what advice as far as, what development or personal growth or what kind of okay. advice would you like? Oh.
0: Okay, there's some people that are uh, aspiring coaches, or their coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to grow their business and just like you work with corporate as well as individual one-on-ones. So maybe Mm -hmm. how you deal with both?
1: Um, In my case, it's very much about the, uh, let's call it the slash effect. That's that's me and my belief um, that you don't have to be only one as far as job is concerned. So I do trainings, uh, but I also do the coachings one-on-one, which is very um, individual thing and very, uh, I would call it private as well, because you always, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're there for the business coaching, officially that's the name, but coaching by definition means going into somebody's life to some uh, extent. So if you want any advice on, on becoming a coach or being a coach, um, remember that there is a responsibility that goes with that. Um, with that job. People tend to say that it's less than a therapist. I'd say it's more. (laughs) Uh, It happens so that I am both, I can do both, and this is my background, and that's why I got this idea that maybe being a coach coach is also something that I want to do, but it's also because I feel that I have enough expertise. Otherwise, probably one course of coaching wouldn't be enough (laughs) for me uh, to call myself a coach. Um, If you want to become a coach, Just make sure this is for the mission that you have or for the values that you believe in, not because it's popular. (laughs) Um, coaching is responsibility. Coaching is, um, accompanying people, uh, in the moment of their change. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Very much. When you see for me, one of the core values in my life, not only professionally, is a change. or being able to change this ability to change is important so whenever i can witness somebody growing changing or making a change in life or work i like it is very rewarding and that's how i found uh, that coaching is something meaningful to me if you feel this is um, your path again try it just try it Mm -hmm. why not just see if you are able to accompany people. Because if we're talking about coaching, remember this is not mentoring. Mm -hmm. This is not giving instructions for life. It's accompanying, it's letting these people see for themselves where they are, who they are, what they need. They will know, not you. That's that's the whole point of being a coach, I suppose. You must
0: go to all different levels because some people think, oh, it's just a business. But everything is connected. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's the, I'm pretty um, calm in situations like this. No, just business. You know, when you listen to Brené, the one I mentioned at the beginning, um, in her speech, "Power of Vulnerability," she says this very bluntly and straightforward that she had a breakdown <laughs> at some point because the the information that was you know flooding out of her uh, research was something she was unable to accept uh, at the first glance and she says that, you know, uh, I came to my therapist and I said, you know, I just have a slight problem with all the data that has come to me and I don't exactly understand how can I work through this because my life seemed to be outside this data that I got, but you know, no personal stuff. Remember, we're not going to do any childish you know, family, bad childhood thing. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know she says that it's such, you know, it's so funny when you look at her and you listen to her because she's so open, and of course she says, as you can probably imagine, uh, this is exactly what happened. <laughs> going through all these, you know, personal things uh, first, and um, very often this happens that my clients come and say, just work, business. You know, I want to grow business wise. Okay, how can you grow? just for those eight hours during the day, and then for the rest 16, you're not gonna be growing. I said, of course I am. So well, you know, if you want this to be applicable (laughs) to you and not to the post that you're holding at your work, well, it somehow needs, you know, some personal elements in this as well. Some people accept it, others don't, and that's also okay. Unforced coaching is probably something (laughs) that we want.
0: And when you're doing like say for corporate, is it it like a full day kind of thing or how you do it in a group would it be, yeah?
1: It can be many different ways, to be honest, you know, Uh, as far as corporate is concerned, it would be, let's say the coaching, that would be, um, I don't know, meetings once a week, for example, for an hour, usually an hour or an hour and a half, Um, trainings this is a totally different thing because this is basic corporate very much the trainings and these are one day two day training sometimes three day training i'm also an assistant to my trainer sometimes and these are big three day very harsh trainings on (laughs) communication and synergy and motivation as well so they take many again shape many many different shapes and forms and, and whatever there is needed. Because what I do when I work, I also uh, start with asking questions and searching for the needs. That's the basis, you know. If a company says, we need a training. Okay, what kind of training? For whom? For how long? How much time have you got? What results do you expect? You know, you make this analysis first. And then I say, okay, from my point of view, it seems that coaching for one person or two people, separately of course, is enough. And other other times I would say, okay, let's have a half day coaching um, sessions for, I don't know, 10 people, let's say, and see how that goes, you know? Or trainings, if the problem that we're discussing kind of um, affects more people, you know? Because every single work, especially corporate, (laughs) is a a system of interconnected individuals. And uh, usually it's not, uh, it's never just about one person um, that needs coaching, but very often it's um, you know the whole environment that's created within a given company or an enterprise. Okay,
0: yeah. okay perfect. So <laughs> how can uh, our audience get in contact with you? Okay.
1: Uh, they can find me on Facebook, my uh, company is called You and Me. So the full name is you and me, Eva Strzevska. And of course, I have a website as well. This is uh, stradevska.com or stradevska.pl, whichever you choose. I'm sure for all the foreigners,
0: that will be simple
1: to write. Down <laughs> oh, you, and me. you and me, Eva Stradevska. If uh, you go to Roy's, uh, you know, any social media, you'll probably find me there as well. Exactly. <laughs> no, because
0: uh, when, 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 when it's launched, you know, you'll be tagged and everything, so they'll be able to find you. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. Let's be in touch. <laughs> Thanks.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can find us on speakingpodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Speaking Podcast. All episodes are different, so be sure to listen to other episodes. And whatever platform you're listening to, we appreciate a, a review because it helps us get more listeners. And, of course, if you know somebody that's struggling with public speaking, be sure to share this with them. So until next week, thanks for listening.